All right, guys, what is up? We're live. We're at uh, episode 21 of the Playing to Win uh, broadcast series. I'm joined today by Dr. Anthony J of the Estro Generation book. How you doing, Dr. J? Doing great. Thanks. So a little bit of background. I was introduced to uh, Anthony from um, Jay Campbell, and he mentioned your book to me about a year ago. Um, I've been tied up with a bunch of stuff and hadn't had, hadn't had a chance to dive into it, and I had another conversation with him a few weeks ago and he did an intro and here we are today, but, um, it was a really interesting read. I've done, I've done a lot of, um, I'm not a biohacker by any stretch of the imagination, but I've done a lot of reading and listening to books in areas to, I mean, as you get older, it's almost like you have to do this stuff. You know, you have to really pay attention to what you eat, what you're, you know, what's in your environment, what you put on your body and in your body and stuff like that. And I was always interested in environmental, um, endocrine disruptors, right? So Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, stuff like that. And your book covers it from a totally different angle. Oh yeah, estrogens. <laughs> yeah, um, so towards the end of the book, it almost seemed like the entire book was really about catching that tarpon though, like you're a big fisherman. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so um, how, would you, how would you describe the book to the layman out there that is looking at the cover with this half-eaten tree uh, or half live tree and half dead tree. And the title of the book again is Estrogeneration. Uh, hang on, where is the subtitle? Here, you, you know what? You go ahead and tell them because you yeah, wrote it. Yeah, yeah. How estrogenics are making you fat, sick, and infertile is the That's subtitle. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the idea was the tree is, you know, I'm actually kind of doing this whole series and it's basically identifying the problems. And then the solutions to those problems, the problems in this case being these artificial estrogen chemicals that are literally all around us. And most people have no idea. And then the solution, of course, is just, you know, you can use a sauna. There's a number of different solutions, which, we'll, of course, we'll talk about here. But yeah, we got lots to get into. Um, we did a we did a DNA analysis for my 23andMe. I got a lot of questions for you. Um, where should we begin? So let's start with the notion of all these environmental estrogens that we're putting on and in our bodies and how that affects, um, I mean, 95, 95% of my audience is men. So let's deal with men, you know, for the mm -hmm. sake of the argument here, but, and how that affects men and their well-being as they age, right? Because, um, when you start to pay attention to blood labs, and I still have the stack over here as I'm looking at it on my table, cause I've got about 18 of them now, but I do them every three to four months cause I'm on TRT. Uh, talked to Jay about this a couple of years ago. And um, it's really interesting to see how little pivots and change happen, you know, with small tweaks and changing your diet with exercise and all that. But there's things that, you know, I've been putting on my body for years and I have some stuff on my table because I was looking at the ingredients as I was looking on your website. So I've got these sunscreens here. Uh, these are advertised from Costco. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've got one, actually, that one there, the yellow one, the 30 SPF, right. that's not a zinc-based one. That one is a zinc-based one, the 50. Good. Of course, the babies get the better stuff. Um, and then I bought this off your website after we talked mm -hmm. and I took a look through your website, which is basically a, a more natural zinc spray. But let's start with what we put on our bodies and how that affects the endocrine system in males and why it's bad. So let's talk about sunscreens first. Awesome. Yeah, sunscreen is a good place to start because most sun sunscreen in America has endocrine disrupting chemicals. It has chemicals that act like estrogen. And in fact, after I published my book, so this isn't even in my book, this little bit, but there was a study they did after I published my book and they showed, and this was in like CNN and everything. You can just Google sunscreen study, estrogen chemicals. Usually you might have to add the word uh, benzophenone or oxybenzone. You have to add one of these technical chemical terms, unfortunately, because okay. those are the chemicals. And that's what I want you to look at on that label. Look and see if there's oxybenzone on either of those you know they make it so small i can't even read it with the damn glasses <laughs> but they got yeah oxy oxybenzone five percent exactly uh is it, is it in both of them? pardon me yeah is it in both of them or is it just in that one it's in the 30 the 50 is more zinc based it says the medical ingredient is zinc oxide 20.6 percent. good so that one's probably good but then it's got a bunch of other stuff you can't really pronounce like dimethylone copitonin and C12-15 right. alkali benzate, benzate. Sure. Does it have uh, four methyl benzylene camphor? <laughs> Hang on. Give me a second. I'll dive through all these four methyl benzylene camphor. Probably not. If it's zinc based, uh, I'm sure you're good with that one. Not on this one. No. Yeah. I mean, there's some 
questionable chemicals, but they're not acting like estrogen probably. But that first okay. one, certainly with the oxybenzone. Okay. So that's what I was saying is they did a study with oxybenzone. Now, again, this is just after I published my book, but they put sunscreen on people and they tested their blood seven days later and their blood levels of oxybenzone, which again, acts like estrogen in your body. It was above the government's own recommended limits. Seven days after one application of sunscreen, a crazy, mm -hmm. crazy finding. And even the former FDA uh, chairman came out and said, this is unbelievable. We got to do more studies. You know, how can this be? And then we've had this chemical legal for 30 years. And, you know, of course, you can't get the, the current administration, the current FDA, the current EPA, you can't get them to say anything because, you know, there's legal stuff and, mm -hmm. you know, they have a lot of ego involved with this stuff. But there was um, some mention in the book about how um, sunscreen causes estrogen, and I'm probably butchering this, so maybe you can correct me, but uh, sunscreen will, will, will cause a binding effect to estrogen receptors or to testosterone receptors, so it actually makes it even harder for you to produce your own testosterone? Exactly. Uh, it blocks binding to the receptor for testosterone. So Because of the UV light on your skin, it, like, it actually locks it out, right? There's two things. Yeah. So I talked to an organic chemist about this chemical and it, so with the estrogen receptor, which is the receptor that obviously picks up estrogen, when you've got this oxybenzone, this estrogen chemical in your body, if it interacts with UV light, it can link to the estrogen receptor. It's like turning on a light switch and just leaving it on. Normally when estrogen comes into the receptor, it binds and then it goes off, mm -hmm. you know, so you flip on the light, you flip it back off. So you don't constantly have estrogen effects. But if you have this oxybenzone and then you fuse it on there with UV light, you can permanently flip on the light switch. In other words, permanently activate the estrogen receptor, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of the testosterone receptor, it actually blocks binding to the testosterone receptor. So even if your levels look good on testosterone, if you're loading up on this oxybenzone, this artificial estrogen chemical and any other artificial estrogen chemicals that we're going to talk about, because it blocks binding the receptor, the testosterone can't even do anything. Does that make sense? It's like basically putting a piece of plywood in front of a hockey goal okay. and then shooting pucks at it. You can't score. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how many pucks you have out on the ice and how many players you have. You're not going to put any points on the on the board because you got a piece of plywood in front of the goal. You're blocking the testosterone receptor. So they call it testosterone uh, sensitivity. You know, it's like insulin sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Everybody in America, they're eating too many carbs and we're all, you know, we're all basically desensitized to insulin. We have insulin sensitivity issues mm -hmm. and we have the same problem with testosterone. So this stuff is really bad. Yeah. Like yeah. I should throw this in the garbage. Yeah. Correct. You don't put this on your kids. You don't put it on yourself. No. In fact, it's illegal now in like a bunch of different places like Hawaii. It's illegal to use mm. that okay. because it's killing off the coral reef, which is ironic because they wait until the coral reef starts dying and then they start doing the legal stuff as opposed to waiting until people. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't matter that men are growing breasts. It's when, right. you know, the coral reef starts to die that they're going to exactly. do something about it. Yeah. Um, kind of as a side note, because I'm always fascinated by the way society behaves. And I almost want to say lately, but it's not lately. It's, it's, it's almost been like this for a while now, but it just seems more obvious to me now that I'm an older guy that we're kind of pussified, right? Like it, oh. And I wonder how much, you know, because of sunscreen, because of toiletries, because of our, our diet, like I go to the gym, it's not open right now here in Toronto, but when I go to the gym, I mean, there's guys in the change room with breasts, like literally with female breast tissue. Mm -hmm. um, there's a big change in society in general. Like, do you think that these, um, I mean, not just the endocrine disruptors, like the standard stuff that I was familiar with before, like, um, you know, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi and stuff like that, you know, having your cell phone in your pants, you know, close to your Johnson, all that. But um, is is a combination of all this in your estimation, what's what's creating a lot of this weakness in society, like the general pacification of the West? I think so, because if you do animal studies with these chemicals, like if you give them if you give rats BPA or phthalates, you know, which again, are, those are in personal care. Phthalates are particularly common in personal care products or parabens. You give those to rats and the male rats just are completely apathetic. They're not interested in females. Uh, they call it male feminization. You even see gonad changes, you mm. know, like for example, they have reduced anogenital distance. If you want to get super technical, you, they literally- What does that mean in layman's terms? It's feminized. Like women have a, 
an anogenital distance, like the, between their vagina and their genital, their anus, it's uh -huh. a lot shorter than males. Okay. So that's like a, it's a hormone initiated, you know, process. So that changes in males too. If you give them a bunch of estrogens. Yeah. So really? In other words, you see a bunch of biological, I mean, you mentioned one of them, man boobs, right? Obviously that's an estrogenic feminization. Most scientists don't like to call it feminization because it's mm -hmm. kind of a politically brave term to say these days, mm -hmm. but I call it feminization. I mean, there's definitely scientific research papers that literally use the term feminization and that's what it is. So yeah, it's brain. It changes the brain. It changes the body. It, it can happen more to a greater degree, to a lesser degree. Like for example, lavender makes, makes the list in my book, lavender essential oil, mm -hmm. which is one that a lot of people don't think about because a lot of health people are using lavender and you know, it's promoted as a healthy thing. I mean, it is anti-inflammatory, mm -hmm. but they discovered that lavender essential oil acts like estrogen in the New England Journal of Medicine. They published a study where they had a bunch of children, like nine month old babies that started developing breasts and going into puberty. And they removed all the lavender from their personal care stuff because that was the common theme they found. Mm -hmm. And all of them basically, you know, they reversed all of those issues. And then they did an, an additional study on lavender essential oil and they measured the estrogen receptor activation. So does it flip on the light switch, right? And it does. So that's an even more powerful example of, you know, yeah, you see it, but if you actually look at the estrogen receptor, again, I'm a biochemist, so that's the, what I, that's the study I wanna see to prove that it acts like estrogen, and sure enough, it does. And they've tested multiple brands. A lot of people say, well, that's your lavender essential oil. I get stuff from this brand or that brand, and mine is CO2 extracted and all this kind of fan fancy thing, but, Right. It's it's not it's not necessarily brand dependent because they tested multiple brands. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that um, have ego investments in certain brands or even, you know, types of food like soy is a big one. Soy's you food. know, in the space that I work in, a lot of guys will make fun of weaker men and call them soy like, you know, you know, soy boyers or something like that. And then they'll always have their vegan counterparts come in and try to defend soy. Um, you know, with all kinds of narratives and stories about how it's not bad for you. But throughout your entire book, you talk about soy in quite great lengths, right? So oh, yeah. what is the what is the sum of all these uh, parts when it comes to soy? Like, is soy good or bad for men? Well, that's a good question. I, I mean, what's funny about soy, every scientist agrees it acts like estrogen. So you at least have to start the conversation there because even the vegans that say it's good for you, they admit it acts like estrogen. So, you know, that alone for most men is enough to say, okay, I don't want to have more soy in my food. And by One the way, the arguments that they tend to push a lot of is like, you'd have to eat like buckets of soy to convert that much estrogen in your body for it to be harmful. Is well, it, he, is it really that much? Or is it like no. if I have sushi, if I put soy, like if I dip my Mackey rolls into soy sauce, is that bad enough to disrupt my endocrine system to, you know, for that day? Good question. Yeah. So, in Canada, ironically, they did a food study with over 100 food items, plant foods, and all of the plants were under 1,000 units of estrogen except soy and flax. Soy and flax were over 100,000 units of estrogen. So it was like a night and day difference between soy and flax and everything mm -hmm. else. And what was cool about that study, they tested soy sauce. So they tested natto and uh, all these different, you know, naturally fermented soy products. All of those were under 100 units of estrogen. So the actual soy, 100,000, even soy protein was in the thousands, right? Like a lot yeah. of the soy products. But as soon as you include natural fermentation, those microorganisms chew up all those estrogens. And it depends a lot on your gut health. So if you've got a crappy gut, you know, your, those soy estrogens are going to go into your bloodstream a lot more, have a lot bigger impact. If your gut's super healthy, your gut bacteria are probably going to break a lot of them down. It's pretty risky. And the other thing is there's a more complicated argument. A lot of vegans will propose at a scientific level where there's, there's actually, when you have testosterone in your body, there's only one receptor. It's called the testosterone, the androgen receptor, but with estrogen, there's actually two receptors that stick to it. Mm -hmm. And one's called estrogen receptor alpha. And the other one's called estrogen receptor beta. So alpha and beta and everybody recognizes in the scientific community, alpha is pretty problematic. Alpha receptor increases breast cancer risk in women. It increases prostate cancer in men. It's problematic. You don't want to be activating the alpha receptor. Beta receptor is actually protective in, in terms of estrogen. So estrogen has a lot of protective benefits to it. If you're activating the beta receptor, it's protective against prostate cancer. It's protective against breast cancer and a lot of other things. 
so the argument most vegans like to propose is that the soy activates the beta receptor and they you know michael greger dr michael greger big you know youtube star within the vegan community he's the big proponent of this argument and he cites a study that i've looked at and he said look look at figure one in this paper it shows beta activation and only a little bit of alpha with soy What's, what's ironic about that paper is figure two shows the exact opposite in a different person. So it's very person dependent. Again, way too risky. Okay. And, you know, I didn't get into that much. We, I didn't get into the weeds that much in my book. I tried to make it really easy for anybody to read. But yeah. if, you really, if you're really honest with yourself and you really dig into the science, I mean, soy is estrogenic. It's something people should avoid. Yeah, and so is uh, flaxseed oil, which is something I used to like routinely blend into my protein shakes for a long time. Um, right. I learned flaxseed was estrogenic about two years ago, so I took that out of my diet. Um, you know, soy has obviously been out of my diet for a long time because I knew that was garbage. But um, I mean, there's still a lot of soy products out there, and it's infused in a lot of foods. I mean, it's a filler in a lot of foods. I mean, even mentioned um, in the book, if you buy something that's labeled vegetable oil, 30% of it could be soy, right? You know, because oh, soy yeah. is a vegetable. So um, soy is something like soy is something that all men should should skip. Like, is that what you're saying? Or correct, unless yeah. it's fermented. Soy sauce, fine. Put a ton of it on your food. Okay, so fermented is fine. So sushi's good. You're good with your sushi. You can, yeah, awesome. Okay, all right. <laughs> I don't have to move away from my uh, sushi place, man, because I got this great boutique joint that does some good, oh, awesome. does some good work. Um, okay, so let's talk about some uh, stuff that we're putting in our bodies when it comes to food beyond soy and flax. Um, you also mentioned a lot with packaging, plastic packaging. Um, there's been a big movement lately, and a lot of people will still buy plastic bottles and drink things out of plastic bottles because it says BPA-free. Um, but there's still, like, estrogenics in these plastics, yeah? Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So uh, when the, when the so 17 states, at least in America, outlawed BPA for children's products. So what the companies did, instead of using bisphenol A, which is bis BPA, they made bisphenol S, which is literally, if they've done studies, it's just as estrogenic as BPA. It acts like estrogen in your body just as much as BPA, but now they can say BPA free and now they're using BPS. And so it sounds good. And if they don't want to use BPS, they can use BPF and they can use BPAF and they can literally use like a whole alphabet of different chemicals that are just as estrogenic as BPA. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they don't use any of the bisphenols and they just use phthalates. So it's plastic number one in the little recycling symbol on the bottom of the plastic. That's full of phthalates. And phthalates are also estrogenic. So generally, you just want to be really cautious of plastic. There are plastics out there that don't have estrogen, but it's, it's pretty hard to find them. It's not super common. Some companies are really careful about it. Most companies and you can't aren't. find it in glass or stainless steel, right? Like it's not exactly. possible for it to glass be there. Glass is great. Stainless is great. Exactly. It's not even And possible. silicone packaging, I think you said, was also good, good for storing food. Yep. Silicone is yeah. good. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as any other foods to avoid beyond soy and flax, what else should men keep their eyes out for? Well, smoking cannabis actually acts like estrogen as well. Um, not the edibles for some reason, just the smoke. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and not about the THC. Vaping? So vaping is vaping is fine. Okay. There's something it's, about it's smoking lighting. because it's the combustion of the the plant versus the cooking of it. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. So there's something about that. So it doesn't mean you can never have it. It just means you know if you're adding that on top of all the plastics and all of the mm. sunscreens and all the other shit, well then you've got potential issues. And that, and you see it like in teenagers, you see more infertility and that sort of thing. And in teenagers yeah. that are regular smokers of cannabis. Um, but other there's, than that, you know, yeah. Th there's also estrogenics in the drinking water too, because every woman that's on birth control pills that's peeing out the EE2 into the uh, septic system, they can't clean that out with the water treatment plant. So it ends up back in the water system. And a lot of people are drinking untreated water that has estrogen in it. Exactly. Um, I think you mentioned in your book that it, that you have to have a charcoal water filter. So I've got a, I think it's a five stage reverse osmosis water filtration system. Am I good? Yep. Yeah. Reverse okay. osmosis gets them out. Okay. So would like a Brita filter do for people? Cause that's a charcoal system too, isn't it? Yep. Yep. They have char charcoal in those and just make sure every once in a while I find a filter that doesn't have activated charcoal mm. and it's crazy, but it does, they do exist. So you do want to double check, but most of them are good like that. Okay. Um, so we dealt with water, we dealt with foods, we dealt with, 
What about toiletries? Um, I did a video a couple of weeks ago talking about fragrances, and some guys lost their like they lost their shit because it's like, oh, you say that, you know, you said something bad bad about my man fragrance, and it works on women, and I get the girls, and you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, dude, I I knew twenty years ago this stuff was crap. Can you talk about uh, toiletries and fragrances in general when it comes to putting that stuff on your body too? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they intentionally put phthalates in most of them, unless it specifically says phthalate-free, paraben-free. They're usually putting phthalates and parabens, and both of those are acting like estrogen. And I've talked to chemists about this, like, why do you guys put it in there? I mean, number one, it's a lot cheaper, right? These are petroleum products. They can che- they can use them as cheap fillers, put like 80 to 90% of this cheap stuff in there and put a little bit of fragrance. Mm-hmm. But the argument they make is that it carries the fragrance further through the air. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is you're putting it on your skin, it's acting like estrogen. It's just another source of estrogen. So, and and it's in the shampoos too, you know. So yeah. even that stuff you got to be cautious with and get decent quality personal care products across the board. Soaps, you know. So when somebody argues that they spend two hundred dollars on their cologne and it's got that strong fragrance, it's it's got phthalates and parabens in it. A lot of the time, most of the time, yeah. I mean, unless it says pal- paraben free, phthalate free. It, it, it will. <laughs> no, they'll spend more money on the packaging with uh, stainless steel and, and crystallized bottles to, you know, catch the eye with marketing than they right. will putting a, a quality product in the bottle. Right. Um, by the way, guys, um, I've got Dr. J's book uh, in my Amazon store. So pinned in the top comment where it says Amazon store, all my recommended reads are in there. I just added his book to that. Uh, you can also go to his site, which let me just pop up the screen here because I want to show you uh, how comprehensive it is. You definitely want to get onto his uh, website here. So this is the book, by the way. Well, it's kind of like the book cover, but um, he's got his list of his top 10 items. And he also has a full list on what I use. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, like Soaps, toiletries, hand soaps, uh, shampoos, laundry detergents, diaper rash creams, uh, sunscreen. So that sunscreen there is the one that I just showed you guys here. I ordered that off the site a couple weeks ago. Um, everything that you need to grab to replace the crap that you're putting on on your body right now can be found on that site. So definitely don't ignore that. Um, Thanks. What else should we cover? Because we also have a DNA analysis uh, that you did on my uh, off my twenty three and Me. How much time do you have for tonight? By the way, um, to oh, do the show because hour and a half if if necessary. Yeah. Okay, so we're at the twenty two mark, twenty two minute mark. How much time does it take to dive into the DNA thing? It takes a while. It depends how deep you want to go. <laughs> um, well, I don't know how many pages it was. It seemed like it was, it was like quite 15, a few. It's like fifteen pages, but you know, there's a lot of pages where you have good genes and there's not, it's not necessary to cover a lot of those good genes. Yeah. I mean, if you want, I can just pick out some of the highlights. Yeah. Well, I got it there on the other screen so I can put it up so we can kind of dive through it, um, you know, page by page. I got a super chat here from Popsky said, uh, fitness wise, would you recommend to go animal based protein powder? uh, If that's cheap and there's a reason behind it. Recommend to go animal based to go animal based protein powder, I guess, instead of like whey, which is based on milk. Yeah, I'm a big fan of collagen. Um, they did a study with radioactive collagen because there's a lot of scientific debate about whether it actually goes to your joints and your discs and your back. And you'd think you know, your stomach acid breaks all of this collagen down into individual building blocks and that just disperses into your body, right? Well, they, mm-hmm. they gave rats radioactive collagen and then they measured the radioactivity and almost all of it was in their joints. So it's phenomenal for your joints if you want to take collagen. It, your body can reconstruct it. It does break down into the building blocks, but then it reconstructs into the joints. So I'm a huge fan of collagen. And is that from animal-based uh, protein oh, yeah. powders? Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, your book talked a lot about dairy products and milk specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we and- spend some time on that? Because a lot of people still eat, eat a lot of dairy, especially kids too, right? Yeah, and that's definitely another source of estrogen, depending on where you're getting the dairy. Um, and in, in fact, for you, you've got some genes, speaking of your genetics, if you don't mind, right? I mean, you have some genes where you're probably sensitive to dairy. It's going to cause more inflammation in you than most people. Have you have you experienced that? Um, as in like, uh, like bloating and bloating, mock- diarrhea. I get a lot of gas, man. Like I'm farting yeah. a lot. Maybe that's it. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I don't have a lot of dairy products either. Good. Well, I mean, if you did have dairy, 
would it give you like stomach issues? No, no, I never oh, get stomach okay, issues with dairy, but I don't have it that often. I mean, if I do, it's like, you know, around Thanksgiving or, or Christmas, I'll have like a big bowl of custard on rhubarb pie, for example, right? Sure, but you're not drinking milk and stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah like for with your genetics, I would avoid dairy more strictly than most people because you have two genes that are problematic there. Okay. And a lot of people don't. It's probably about 50-50 in terms of whether or not you have bad genes for dairy. So there's a lot of people out there that really need to be careful with dairy because not only is there some estrogen chemicals in dairy, at least the, the mass-produced dairy, but there's also, you know, sensitivity and inflammation issues in a lot of people. How, uh, like, how important would it be for the average guy to, I mean, not many guys will go and get a, a 23andMe to begin with, but once you get a 23andMe study done, you can actually send the data over to you and you'll do a full DNA analysis on it, breaking it down, which I have a copy over here. So we're going to do that on tonight's show on my own um, report. But is this something that many people do? Is this something that you recommend people do if they want to optimize their life? I mean, if they want to play to win at life and live the best life possible, like, is it worth right. it? Oh, hundred percent. And it, the problem is if you just get the 23andMe health report, they tell you like you have blue eyes and they yeah. tell you all this. They tell you where your family's stuff. from basically. Yeah. And it's not really that important. It's not worth a hundred bucks, you know, but the information, I mean, they do like 650,000 snips of DNA. They have a ton mm -hmm. of DNA code. It's like thousands of pages of DNA code. And if you actually dig into that, it's phenomenal. And what I always say is basically knowledge is power. So the more you know about yourself, the more powerful you can be in terms of utilizing that knowledge to, you know, improve your life. So I think it is super important. I think it's necessary, but obviously I'm biased, right? I mean, I have a DNA yeah, consult there. literally tonight. I have a DNA consult. I have them every day. I do them with pro athletes. I do them with special forces. I do them with, you know, professional bodybuilders and, and also just normal people, right? Yeah, let's let's go there in just one minute. I'm, I'm just going to be very ADD here and grab this uh, super mm -hmm. chat here. Yardley says, uh, what's your take on intermittent fasting? I'm a huge fan of intermittent fasting. The only problem is some like I gave a talk for the special forces. I gave a couple talks actually, and I brought up intermittent fasting because again, I'm a huge fan, mm -hmm. but the whole room kind of went, you know, started buzzing. I had a couple hundred people in the audience and they all started whispering to each other. And I guess there's this big debate in the special forces because intermittent fasting and training super hard all day long is not very compatible, but so it depends on your lifestyle, but I, in general, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. Yeah. It's uh, everything that I've seen on it supports that it's good for you. It doesn't do anything bad, really. So here's my 20, uh, 23 and me page. Uh, for those of you that are interested, it turns out I'm 23% Italian, 16% British, Irish, and 11% French, German, and the rest of it's uh, broadly, uh, you know, Northern African or Northeastern uh, Europe. But um, some of the reservations I've seen some people make when it comes to 23 and me is, oh, bro, don't do that, man. You're going to give them all your dad information. What's your take on that? Right. I've had this discussion with the military, right? Um, what I do is I just use an alias when I, you know, when I buy these DNA console of these kits for people. And, you know, that's, that's generally good enough. Uh, but it's not all your data, right? Like it's, it's just your certain amount of genes. I mean, I understand it for sure. I, I, I think people should definitely just use an alias when they buy it. Most people don't anyways, but Right. You know, I think that's a good extra added layer of protection. So um, you actually do a full analysis on the data that they collect from 23andMe. So you basically emailed me back the sheet and I extracted it into this um, simple Word doc. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but that but that simpler version of Word. Yeah. And it was pages long. Like it was, it was lines and lines and lines and lines of code. Was that the 600,000 lines of code that you were talking about? Correct. Yep. So this is what we got out of that guys so this will be an interesting dive here if any if any one of you are interested in uh booking dr j for this here i'm just going to go a little bit bigger on the screen to try to fill it up so it's easier to read can you see that okay on your screen oh yeah i see it great yeah okay so yeah, I just have like a cover page with a little. Yeah, it's got a cover page here, and then you kind of summarize things like Alzheimer's brain performance. Um, you know, you talk here about like, do you want to walk me through this step by step, or do you yeah, want me to read yeah. it out? Like, what's the easiest way for you to do this? Well, we'll skip around a little bit, but I mean, I'll okay. give people. I think the overview that's important is that I have I break it into five categories. Okay. It's a little bit arbitrary. It's just how I've done it over the years because I, you know, I've tweaked a little bit and played with this. But the brain is the first section. 
of all the genes relating to your brain, to your stress, to your anxiety. There's a lot of common ones that a lot of people have. Things like that, anything with the brain. Uh, second category is diet. Uh, so, you know, that's where dairy would come in, right? And you notice yeah, right right dairy is on there. Yep. And a lot of people have nothing in that section. So anytime you see blank categories, mm-hmm. that means you've got good genes there. You want to see a lot of blank categories. Um, and then keep going down and you'll see the next section is vitamin, hormone, and detox genes, which again is a little bit similar to diet, but that's where we get into testosterone genes. We get into estrogen, we get into vitamin D, which I consider a hormone, mm-hmm. things like that. So another, you can notice here that your testosterone section is blank, which is great. You've got good genes for testosterone, although mm-hmm. you have a few estrogen genes that can sometimes, you know, cause some. So, there. <laughs> so I always have, um, upper high levels of estrogen on my blood panels whenever I get them pulled for TRT. Um, My doctor's got me on some uh, natural supplements like DIM. I eat broccoli like it's going out of style. Um, And there's another one, I think it's called cryosin, which is in this other supplement that he gives me. But I'm still always like right at the top or even beyond the upper levels. Is that because I convert? testosterone uh, very, very quickly into estrogen? Or is that because of environmental estrogens like, you know, sunscreens and crap I've been putting on my body? It's a little bit of both. I mean, scroll down a little bit more and let me see the rest of the estrogen genes. Like, yeah, I mean, you don't, so this, you see CYP2C19, this is a liver enzyme. Anytime you see the letter CYP, yeah, you're Mm -hmm. highlighting it. Mm-hmm. That means it's in your liver. It's involved in breaking something down. In this case, yeah. it's involved in breaking down estrogen. And that enzyme doesn't work as well as it should. So you're not breaking down estrogen as well as you should. So you're aromatizing just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But it's staying in your body longer because your liver is not breaking it down. Does that make sense? Yeah, like I'm not a fat guy, so I don't have a lot of belly fat. So I'm not storing a lot there, though. Exactly. Yeah, it's just the liver, just a breakdown issue. Um, you also mentioned to use a sauna, uh, here in this report, you also mentioned in the book to use a sauna, um, towards the end. Um, you said infrared sauna is the better type. Yeah. Although heat is really important as well. Like sweating, it is really important. They did a study with the reason I'm, I'm such a big fan in terms of estrogen and clear, clearing your estrogen mm-hmm. is because they did a skin patch study. It's like a nicotine patch without the nicotine. And they had groups of people that went in saunas and groups of people that didn't go in saunas. And then they took off the patch and measured for chemicals. And all the people that went in the saunas, they were like full of BPA and phthalates and oxybenzones and all these estrogens we've been talking about. And the people that didn't go in saunas, they didn't have any of those chemicals on those patches. So you sweat out these chemicals profusely. And also what was really crazy about that study is neither group really had any in their urine. So they weren't peeing them out, but you sweat them out. So it's a great way to kind of balance your estrogen. If you do it at least three times a week, that was the key. What, what, what kind of sauna can get up to 180? Because the one at the gym is definitely not at 180. It's not even close to it. Well, as long as you're sweating, that's the most important thing. There, okay. The problem is most of the studies are done in, with saunas at 180 degrees. So I know the sweet spot for those saunas is at least 10 minutes. But if you're mm-hmm. using a sauna that's 160 degrees, you probably got to go longer, like 20 minutes. But it's still going to have the benefits. The reason I like infrared is the heat comes into your body a lot deeper. And it's all about speeding up molecular motion. Mm-hmm. allowing your cells to clear out those estrogens. It's like okay. boiling water, right? Like when you heat up water, the molecules move faster and then a lot of them shoot out into the air as gas. It's the same thing, except the infrared is heating up internally, allowing those molecules to move faster, get out in your blood, you start sweating them out. Okay, so as far as estrogens go, I mean, you know, you've got the same thing here that I've already known with eating bro- broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, kale, exactly. uh, sauna. I'll have to pick one of those up. Um, okay. So we've got that there. What else did we need to, so SHBGs or anything that's uh, yeah. noteworthy here? Yeah. I mean, your SHBG might be a little bit higher. It's uh. a plus, it's plus minus gene, but so let me back up a step and just make a note that in every cell in our body, we actually have two copies of DNA except egg and sperm cells. Egg and sperm cells only have one copy of DNA. So of course, when egg and sperm cells fuse together, that's where you get the copy of DNA from your mother and the copy of DNA from your father. And that's also where you get these plus pluses and plus minuses because a plus plus means you got a bad version of that gene from your mother and a bad version of the gene from your father. Whereas a plus minus means you actually have a good version of a gene from one parent and a bad version from the other parent. Okay. So plus minus isn't as problematic. Okay, so that's what that is. is. Yeah, sometimes it's yeah, exactly. 
sometimes you see the, this, the equivalent problems with plus minus genes and sometimes you don't, they're just harder to predict. Okay. Is this something that you took a look at before you, oh, yeah. you chose a wife, you know, by the way, is this something oh. you, that's, that's, <laughs> I you that's before we got today. <laughs> No, I, I did not use it as a dating. I want people to use it as a 23 and me as like dating site. I don't know, man. I can see people <laughs> using this in the future. Like there's this TV show now out apparently where this 48 year, this 41 year old divorced woman is making all these uh, guys jump through hoops to, you know, for the privilege of impregnating her. And they're doing all kinds of tests on these guys. I'm just wondering if this is something that people do. Oh yeah, you could. It's a powerful tool. I mean, a, a few weeks ago I had a woman, she didn't have a single plus plus on this entire report. And if I had to estimate, you probably have 20. Most people have 20. A lot of people have 30, 40, 50 plus plus genes. You know, some people just have a laundry list of bad genes. Yeah. Um, but this woman, first person I've ever talked to, I've talked to pro athletes that have worse genetics than this particular woman I was talking to. No plus pluses on this entire report. So it does, you do find people. Okay. You know, um, you said somewhere in this report, I think it was it might have been towards the end, but you said, you know, based on my muscle fiber makeup to lift heavy with low reps too. like you also can determine the best way to lift weights based on your DNA makeup. Yeah, I, I, I'm partners with Ben Pakulski. He's a professional bodybuilder trainer. He used to compete in Mr. Olympia and things and all the bodybuilders that he trains. He has them do their DNA first with me. Interesting. And. I've done, you know, some of these bodybuilders, they actually have slow twitch muscles and they get a lot more benefit if they do a lot more reps. Like instead of three, you know how all the bodybuilders do three by 10, three yeah. sets of 10 reps. Yeah. Well, if you've got these slow twitch muscles, it's actually better to do like three, but it's 50s, you know, a set of 50 and then a set of 40 and then a set of 30, something like that. Mm -hmm. You can't do three by 50, it's too exhausting. But, and then like they'll talk to me a month later and they'll say, like, I wish I didn't know about this 10 years ago. I cannot believe the response my muscles are having, right? Got so, you, you know, you can even you can even surprise bodybuilders sometimes by understanding their own genetics. But yeah, for you, if you scroll down a little bit further, that's the next section. The next section is the gym section or the muscle section. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you about thyroid here because you said supplement yeah. with iodine every day. So I've got an iodine supplement that I basically drop on my wrist and I just rub between the two wrists on the skin like is that the best way to take that supplement i i mean i, I don't know about the best way but it's good yeah i don't have an okay. issue with it i honestly um, don't know which one's better orally or skin but as long as you're getting some iodine the key is you've got some genes that are problematic in the thyroid section i mean do you have any thyroid issues in your extended family and things um no what oh. what do thyroid issues look like like low energy or uh yeah generally just low energy no <laughs> But um, but I've been using this iodine on you know my wrist on a regular basis. I don't usually do it every day. Maybe like every other day, I you know throw a couple of drops on there and then I just leave it. Good. Um, yeah, that's perfect. I mean, okay, that's so the key. That with that's the key because and you're eating sushi, sushi as well, which has a lot of iodine. I mean, the problem okay. is if you def iodine is the building block for thyroid hormones. So mm -hmm. if you don't have enough iodine with your genetics, you're definitely going to have thyroid issues, meaning low thyroid, meaning less energy. Okay. There's no reason to have less energy. It's also okay. metabolism too. Like the bodybuilders like to have a really high dose of some of these thyroid hormones because they get super lean and super ripped. You know, okay. it increases your metabolism. You burn fat faster. The problem is if you overdose them, your heart rate gets kind of screwy. And it's dangerous. So okay. you never know want to overdo it. But they see that Foxy one gene, F O X E one. Foxy. This one here. Yep. Or, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We got we got one, two, and three. Exactly. So it's like having three potholes on your sidewalk, right? Like if you've got a sidewalk, one pothole is bad. In this case, you got three potholes on that same gene. Oh, so okay. That, so that so I definitely is, need iodine here to keep right? my system running properly. Exactly. They discovered that gene in Chernobyl, the radiation accident. Oh, really? Yeah. And people that have the version that you have, the, the plus plus version of that gene, you know, when they got exposed to radiation and they damaged their thyroid, they did not heal. Whereas people with the good version of this gene, they healed up just fine. That's how they discovered this gene. And of course, now we've done more recent studies on what's the, what's going on. What's, well, how does this gene work? And it's actually related to autophagy. And autophagy is just basically cells taking out the garbage. Uh -huh. So this gene is involved in taking out the trash in your thyroid. So okay. your, your thyroid doesn't quote unquote take out the trash as well as it should. And that's where intermittent fasting is super beneficial because intermittent fasting is the best way to increase autophagy. It's the best way to tell your cells to take out the garbage. 
how how long should I intermittent fast for? Is it like um, if dinner's six o'clock, do I skip breakfast and have lunch? Is that sufficient yep. or do I need to go longer? No, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. And should that be a daily routine for me or? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, histamine intolerance, supplement copper. Right. That gene is a copper dependent gene that helps you clear histamines. Okay. Mm -hmm. I already eat a lot of green stuff. Uh, beta carotene, retinol. Is there anything else in here that you wanted to highlight? Um, I mean, yeah, we could talk all day, obviously, about this stuff. Let's just keep going to the gym section just so people get a sense of the gym. Uh, oh, I have a question for you about bilirubin because I remember I had a blood test when I was in my 20s, um, and the doctor called me back in to run it again because he said my bilirubin levels were high. What does that mean? Yeah, so you've got two genes that are plus plus that lead to higher bilirubin, so it doesn't surprise me. Okay. Uh, bilirubin, it's it's actually okay. It's an antioxidant, but if you get too much of it, it can lead to gallstones, and then they got to remove your gallbladder and all this, and it's a huge problem. Okay. For the rest of your life, it's this giant headache. Um, the most important thing with bilirubin is if it gets a little bit high, get out in the sun. Make sure you're getting in the sun because in Canada, it's a little harder. Yeah, maybe go to Florida in January and just hit hit a bunch of sunshine that breaks it up that helps keep it low. If you can't get out in the sun, use use salicylates like use aspirin, like a okay. baby aspirin. If you take a baby aspirin every day, that I'll take a baby aspirin every day now because I'm on TRT anyway. Yeah, so there you go. So that okay. helps with bilirubin. Okay, great. Um, what else should we take a look at here? Do you want me to keep scrolling down? Yeah, you can keep going. Well, it's funny. You see that B12 gene. A lot of people are doing B12, of course, with metformin. I yeah. do uh, B12 injections. Is that awesome? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you have some yin yang here, and this is a good example of that. Like you, you have two genes that are a little bit offsetting. One of them gives you higher levels of B12 with better gut uptake of B12, and then the other one has less gut uptake of B12. So you have two completely opposing genes, which of mm -hmm. course happens because you know you got a little bit of Italian, a little bit of French, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So you have these two opposing genes. So in a case like that, it's hard to predict how that impacts your body, just so you know, but injections are always good. Do you feel a difference? Okay. Do you feel energy? Um, no, but I do feel a sting when I inject it. It's uh, the only thing that I inject that kind of stings a little bit. I'd probably just avoid it because again, you have a good gene. You've got good okay. uptake probably. It's probably, you know, great levels. Okay. Um, and then I found this interesting, toco, tocopherinol, I think tocoferol. it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tocopherol. Yeah, like, and like, I listened to this podcast here that you linked as great. well yes, with this yeah. doctor, which was interesting. So I ordered some of that. This is a very powerful antioxidant, isn't it? Correct, yeah. And a lot of people get screwed up when they have this gene that you've got. And literally, if you're taking just cheap vitamin E that you get in these multivitamins or you Which get, is what I've been using forever, so I should chuck that out and just stick right. with that. Stick with the good stuff, the tocotrienols. Yep. Tocotrienol, that's it, yeah. Yeah, the tocopherol, it, in your case, it will literally increase CRP. Do you know what C-reactive protein is or CRP on your blood tests? No. Um, you should check. You know, like at some point, pull out your blood work and just check and make sure you're below one. Because, you know, CRP is a, mar a measure. It's a marker for inflammation. So if your CRP is high, that means you're chronically inflamed. You have too much inflammation. And obviously... Um, is that in the hematology or what section? So it's called CRP? Yeah, or C-reactive protein if they spell it out. Uh, C-reactive cortisol random. It'll probably be on there. Oh, here it is. Uh, C-reactive protein 0. 0.44. 0. 0.44, good, awesome. So you're you're eating really healthy. You must be exercising. That's a yeah. great number. That's phenomenal. So you're optimized there, thankfully. Okay. I, you know, so that's that's. You're saying that that number would improve further by taking the tocopherols? Tocotrienols, yep. Tocotrienols, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. Mm -hmm. uh, fructose, obviously stay away from sweet shit. So gym genes, so muscle types, your fast switch, lower rep ranges, heavier weights will be more beneficial for muscle development. So are we talking about like reps around three, four, five and as heavy as you can go? Well, not as heavy as you can go, but yeah, three, four, five is good. Yep. Okay. Five, like five sets of five reps usually would be really good. Yep. Okay. All right. Good to know. Training program variety, incorporate a high degree of variation in your workout protocols, bent over rows, rowing machines. Right. Um, so what are you saying? Like, don't do the same exercise. Like if I'm doing chin-ups, for example, I mean, oh. the gym's closed. So the only thing I can do for my back right now is just chin-ups. So if I've been doing chin-ups for four months, you're saying doing that is a problem for my genetic makeup or? 
Well, you just don't respond as highly. So you've got that, it's that dopamine receptor and it, even your nervous system will respond better with more variation. Sometimes you can't incorporate variation, but if you can figure out some weird way to do something different, it's usually beneficial. So the rows are an easy example because you can do bent over rows, you can do the rowing machine, you can do dumbbell rows. There's so many different ways to row. Yeah. Pull-ups pull are harder and I'm not super versed on different ways to do pull-ups. Okay. But I'm sure you, if you, you know, if you but with my genetic makeup, you're saying I'll get better results by varying the workouts for the, for the different muscle groups. So backs, Correct. you know, I could do bent over rows. I could do chin-ups. I could do pull-ups. I could do like different variations, but you're saying don't do the same thing every single time. Well, like every six weeks or so, switch it up. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, I got John in the chat over here, a buddy of mine. Uh, he says, what's this test? I want to do it. So to get this done, John, you got to go to 23andMe and order that DNA makeup. And then you're going to go to Dr. J's website. Let me just pull it up over here. So he uses on his website. So it's here. I'll just copy and paste this in the chat for you guys so you can visit it. So it's in the chat now. Um, and then you go to DNA analysis on his website. And what does this cost? Uh, it's usually about $600. And if you use the coaches, it's cheaper. It's like half the price with my coaches that I have. Okay. Or four, okay. somewhere in there, four or three. Yeah. It depends. There's different packages, uh, different prices. Okay. So there you go, guys. So it's on his website if you want to get that done. So the first thing you need to do is get your 23andMe. And then they'll tell you how to extract the data from that to send it to them so you can get this report over here. Yep. Um, hang on a sec. So we got joints and inflammation. If you have, so I've got a bad left knee and I've used uh, BPC 157 on it. Uh, sometimes I integrate DECA into my protocol at a very low dose and that seems to help quite a bit. Um, so what do I need to know about joints and inflammation here based on all these? Yeah. And can scroll down a little more so I can see the other genes in this section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can go back up. I mean, uh, it looks like the main gene risk that you have is interleukin. So IL2RA stands for interleukin 2 receptor. Mm -hmm. IL1B stands for interleukin 1 beta. So they're both interleukin. Have you heard of the cytokine storm? Like when people get COVID, they get quote unquote cytokine storm. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't heard that. Like you get a bunch of inflammation with COVID. Okay. Um, one of those cytokines, one of the inflammatory chemicals is called interleukins. There's a bunch of interleukins, interferons, TNF-alpha. There's a whole bunch of different inflammatory chemicals. This is one of them. And your body makes too much interleukin. Now, if you really had a problem, I would get an interleukin antibody and inject that directly. And it'll be like a miracle drug, but it'll cost crazy amounts of money. Um, is that something that I can buy or do I need a script for it? Yeah, you definitely need a prescription. And in Canada, it might be harder, but the better way to approach it initially at least would be to figure out things that in inhibit interleukin. And I have an entire article there linked under, under IL-1B in that paragraph. Yep, that's- uh, IL-1B, yeah. this one here? Yeah, you got it. That article literally will tell you like 50 different ways to inhibit interleukin naturally. So like curcumin, at least stupid- I already article. take that, yeah. Yeah, curcumin inhibits interleukin, testosterone inhibits interleukin. Yeah, I got scroll, lots of that. Scroll down to like the towards the bottom of the page on that website. I'm a scientific advisor for this website, so I, I like it. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, and keep going. You, you'll see it in a section where it's just bullet points of supplements. Okay. Oh, here we go. Right, here, right? So I'll keep going. Sorry. Oh, this is diseases associated hormone supplements. Here we go. Up just a little bit. You, you saw. Uh, just a little bit more stevia, for example. So inhibiting IL-1B, right? Mm -hmm oil, jasmine tea, kombucha, blah, blah, blah. They've done studies with cinnamon. Uh, you'll notice that intermittent fasting is one of the things that inhibits interleukin. So that's beneficial for your joints. Okay. So really all of these things, testosterone, really beneficial. Testosterone is probably one of the most powerful levers. If you were low on testosterone, you'd even have more problems with your joints probably. Yeah. Curcumin, you'll notice that. And, you know, a Got lot it. of things, right? Like they've done a lot of studies on interleukin because it's such a problematic chemical causes a lot of arthritis in people. Really? Oh yeah. And again, this is like I say, fascinating. We're getting really geeky here tonight, guys. This is a little bit different, right? Well, yeah. And hopefully it's simple enough for people to at least understand. Well, it makes total sense to me. 
you know, like knowledge is power. If you understand this stuff, you can use it. And, and like I said, they have patents and they have antibodies you can inject that specifically inhibit interleukin. That's the ultimate gold standard. I can't wait yeah. for those patents to run out and then they get really cheap and generic and people will start injecting interleukin antibodies in their, in their joints. But for now, I just go natural for the next 10 years until the patent runs out. You mentioned three grams of krill oil per day. So I take um, omega-3-6. Um, is that sufficient or is krill oil a better source of this? No, it's, uh, it's perfectly fine. Omega-3 is, okay. is, is krill oil is a better quality in terms of the phospholipid form of DHA. But yeah, it's good. Got it. Okay. So we got joints. Um, anything here we should probably highlight? Well, yeah. Do you have any back disc issues? Yes, lower back. Yeah, Many exactly. times in my life I've had it go out. It's very painful. So I use an inversion table every morning and it seems to have taken care of it for the most part. Yep, yep. Because that YL1A gene on the back disc, plus plus, almost everybody who has that gene has low back issues. And that's why I say if you have low back pain, I specifically say low back there because mm -hmm. that gene is particularly connected to that. So supplement with turmeric, curcuma? Yep, it's the same interleukin. It's the same okay. problem. Good. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on that. I mean, I haven't had much of a problem lately. I also use, um, I also use a, a juve an infrared light on my yeah. back. Um, awesome. usually for about 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, like I'll just kind of sit there and I'll just shine it on my back. Yeah. Try That's it. Of course, a lot of people use it at night and they've noticed that the aura ring when they track their sleep, it improves their sleep. Oh really? It isn't published. You can't find it published, but I've seen it so many times. It's, it's just, I've actually tried to get it published. I've tried to like put together a study. I asked Juve cause I'm friends with the CEO. Mm. I've been out to their place in California and whatnot, the headquarters. Yeah. I've asked them to actually Jay Campbell was there with me when we went out. Cool. Um, but I asked them to make me a dummy Juve, which gives off red light, but it's not infrared just so it looks exactly the same. So I can use it as a control and basically give people at Mayo clinic. I can give them the fake Juve light. And then okay. give people the real juve light, and only I know who's getting real and who's getting fake, and then track their sleep cycles and see how much deep sleep and how much REM sleep they're getting, and basically set up a scientific experiment to actually prove this. Because I'm super convinced it improves people's sleep because I've seen it over and over. So you, you use it right before bed, like within an hour of going to bed. Do you need to shine it on any body part in particular, no, or is it just yeah. get it on your skin? Yep, at least ten minutes. Yeah, probably ten. Yep. Okay. Um, so we talked about the juve light. By the way, I initially got that because Ben Greenfield said to shine it on your nutsack. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's supposed to increase testosterone. Um, mm -hmm. You know, since I switched over to TRT, I'm not, I'm not so concerned with shining my nutsack anymore, but I use it on, uh, you know, my knee joint, my back for inflammation, and it seems to help with that too. So that, they, okay. they, they did a study on Alzheimer's with mice. They have these mice that get plaques in their brain, so they call them an Alzheimer's model. And they, this is a hilarious study because they literally, they shined the equivalent of a juve light. They had infrared and they had a control group of mice where they did not give them any infrared. And of course, all those mice get crazy Alzheimer's. And then they had a group of mice where they gave them infrared and it was just massive, the reduction in plaques in their brain and the Alzheimer's and all that. So really? super, super good for the brain. But what was the funniest part about this study, they actually put aluminum foil around the mice's heads in a third group and they shined infrared on them. So they didn't get any infrared on their skull, but they had it on the rest of their body. And it was like, it was improved, but it wasn't as good as when they actually had it on their skull. And they've done cadaver studies with infrared and it goes three inches through your skull. So infrared, you can literally use it to protect against Alzheimer's by putting it directly on your head and getting it into your brain. So that's no another kidding. side benefit if you have a lot of Alzheimer's risk in your family with the genetics. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So we hit uh, back. Um, avoid sugar, fructose forms quickly spike your blood sugar. Yeah, fructose. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get gout and then they go to the doctor and the doctor tells them stop eating meat, mm -hmm. which sometimes is effective, but most of the time it's a fructose transporter, like that SLC gene that you were just on. Yeah. And, uh, and if they eat a bunch of fructose, like high fructose corn syrup, like soda, even a lot of fruits have a lot of fructose, of course and they spike their blood fructose, then they get uric acid in their joints that forms crystals, it's painful, it's gout, and all the doctors are focused on is meat. Interesting. Um, so for sleep genes, um, it says here, your body's more optimized when you go to sleep later and wake up later. Right. So when I was young, younger, let's say, like even, even in my 20s, I would need an alarm to get my ass out of bed so I could go to work. Yep. And even then, I would set the alarm to like eight. I just 
like wake up at eight o'clock. Now I'm up at, at like the crack of dawn, like sometimes somewhere between five and 6 a.m. normally. Yep. Um, should I be trying to train my body to go to sleep later and wake up later again? Or like what's your recommendation ba based on this over here? Yeah, based on your genetics, I would say yes, but you can trick your brain into thinking that it's later by just having, you know, you can use blue blocker glasses and things like that to block mm -hmm. light earlier. In so I've got, I've got a coating on these glasses that blocks blue light. So does this affect me during the day? Like, should I wear a different set of glasses that doesn't block blue light during the day when the sun's up? So it doesn't mess with my circadian rhythm? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, scroll to the bottom of this page. I just want to see if you have any blue light sensitivity. Yeah, so you're pretty good with blue light. Some people have blue light sensitivity genes where they're genetically disposed to being hypersensitive to blue light and it really screws up their sleep cycles and things like that. Uh, but in your case, at least you don't have those genes. So you could kind of go either way with that. Okay. Okay. And that's pretty much the full report. I mean, obviously you could spend a hell of a lot more time on this right. with every line. Um, but that gives you guys an idea of, you know, uh, you know, the reality of the differences between people. Um, we're not, you know, we're not all the same as much as uh, society likes to you know, try to level the playing field and make it seem like everybody's the same thing these days. Um, cool, cool. So you guys have the link there if you want to get more information on how to get Dr. J to analyze your DNA. Again, I dropped the links in the chat. You're going to have to go to 23andMe, buy that report, send it over to him, and then you're going to have to pay them for the full analysis on that. Um, I mean, if you're serious about playing a win at life and you want to live a fully optimized life as best as you can, I'd recommend it. I mean, there's some interesting things here that came out of it for me, like I've like I've switched my vitamin E supplementation. There's quite a few, actually. I mean, if I'm being honest, there's probably at least five or six. I even picked up this Aura Ring based oh, on your yeah. recommendation to try to track the sleep. Yep. That's the best thing. I mean, you know, a lot of people, they struggle with deep sleep and you don't really feel that different. If you, if you get like 15, I totally struggle with deep sleep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I've noticed that like a slight change. I mean, I've even kind of messed around with, but if you sleep in, you'll get loads of deep sleep. I bet you. <laughs> I can't, I can't sleep in though. Like I'm always up at five, six o'clock in the morning for some reason. You're in um, you trained your body. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, um, you know, I found it interesting because if I supplement with different things like magnesium, GABA, um, passion, uh, passion flower, I think is one of them, uh, valerian root, like I've kind of tweaked with a couple of different versions of different herbs. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed on days when I take the supplements, the sleep is far better than the days that I don't take them. Um, so it's an interesting little device. It's kind of useless for working out. I mean, you can't grab onto heavy bars and, and, and pick up weights and throw them around, but for everything else, you can wear it two, four, seven, basically. Oh yeah. If you have sleep problems, you got to get the aura ring. When I gave my talk for the special forces, my first talk for them, uh, they showed me some research they've done with all the different sleep trackers. So they tested the Garmin Vivo smart, the Apple watch, the, the aura ring, or yeah. was by far the best. Really? Okay, cool. And they don't have yeah. that of course but i can just and, and the other cool thing about it is i'm really geeky about um like signals like you know bluetooth and wi-fi so you can put this in airplane mode all the time so it just collects the data so it's not sending signals anything when you drop it in the charging thing then it just you know switches onto bluetooth connects your phone downloads the data and you put it back in airplane mode and wear it again so um you know there's no risk from that perspective um what are your what are your thoughts? Because you don't mention it in the book, but things like, you know, Wi-Fi, cellular tower, Bluetooth. Um, like I've gone to the point that I put my Wi-Fi timer, sorry, I put my Wi-Fi router on a timer so it's off at night. Um, I've been to Ben's house and he was describing how his entire house is like, there's no Wi-Fi in it and all the RJ45 in the wall is fully shielded and there's like a master switch in his bedroom he turns off so there's no electricity in the bedroom whatsoever. Right. Like how how important is that i mean that's kind of extreme but how important is that in general to like not keep yourself you know keep your cell phone in your pockets you know for example yeah i, I certainly am more careful with my cell phone but i'm not that extreme i think it's super important if you've got those genes that give you the sensitivity i mean there's people with genetic issues and they notice when the router is on they sleep poor all this kind of thing it's actually pretty uncommon to have that extreme of a genetic issue so I, I put my router on a timer downstairs and that's about as far as I go. I don't get too crazy on it, mm. but I, but, and, and it, I all, honestly though, I haven't done a ton of research on it, so I'm not really the guy to talk to. And the other aspect is, um, it doesn't act like estrogen either. So it's really out of my wheel. Like the chemicals I talk about because they're directly acting like estrogen in your body, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a more specific biochemical thing, whereas these signals disrupt a lot of hormones and it's, it's more mitochondria based. So it's, it's, gotcha. it's an issue. It varies based on genetics and it's, you know, and Greenfield is of course, super extreme. <laughs> yeah. Let me, uh, let me um, grab a couple of these super chats here and questions. Thoughts on chiropractors is maintenance to keep the spinal column straight and spinal column overall care. So what are your thoughts on, on chiropractors? Yeah. I mean, I've tried a few different techniques like the Blair technique and this and that. And the other. I've not had great luck. To be honest, testosterone was the best thing for my back because I have that same low back gene that you have. Mm-hmm. And it's been nothing but problems. Like when I was 12 years old, I, I herniated or I bulged my disc. I was lifting my dad's boat onto the trailer, which is mm-hmm. way too heavy for me. And I threw out my back where I was like bedridden. Mm-hmm. Literally since then, I've had issues. But when I got on... I, I got it. I threw out my back and got a prescription for testosterone specifically because I knew it was going to inhibit interleukin. And it was like a switch. It was probably three days later. I was back in the gym. I was perfectly fine. And usually really? it takes like a month for me to heal. Yeah, yeah. So I put testosterone right on my back. I was putting the cream right in there and it was phenomenal. So I'm a bigger fan of that personally, but I'm not opposed to using a chiropractor. If it works, it works. Test it out, right? Sometimes you just got to try different things. Got another one here from Colin. He said, will LED sunlight therapy lights supplements supplement during winter in Canada? Will LED sunlight, I guess he means those um, the, the uh, seasonal, seasonal affective disorder lights, the satellites. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of the LED, but I have one of the $500 UVB ones. Uh, so that's what you got to do if you really have seasonal affective. Honestly, it's either go to Florida or you got to get one of those actual UV lights, or you can use a tanning bed to be honest. Just do it for five minutes. Don't do it too long. Um, that's the way to go. Yeah. Do you get vitamin D from those tanning beds and those uh, lights? Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. You do, eh? Okay. The one I have is just UVB. It has no UVA, so you don't even get tan from it. But okay, you so you get the effect of the vitamin D, and uh, but without, without the damage, then. Yeah. Without the sunburn. Okay. Because I'm fair, um, right? I'll burn super easy. So, yeah. And I'm not, um, I'm not interested in getting tan because it just goes away the next day anyway. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and you've got a light linked in your, what I, I recommend I you use on your website too. So, I've already mentioned that before. So, so that links there. Uh, let me see if I missed anything else here. Um, there's one here that I wanted to hit from Andrew. He said, How good are supplements, vitamins uh, for in general beyond expiration date? So, do they turn toxic? They're not going to turn toxic usually. Or do they degrade in potency or anything like that? Oh, yeah, they definitely can. It depends on the supplement, though. Some some molecules are super robust and super stable, and then some molecules are, you know, like fish oil and things. If it's expired, I wouldn't use it. Um, so some molecules are a lot more prone to breaking down. So it's a little bit of a nuanced perspective there. Gotcha. So um, if somebody had lower back problems and they've got that gene going on TRT would arguably fix it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Particularly if your testosterone is low. Mm-hmm. I mean, I juice up pretty high when I, like I say, if I throw my back, <laughs> I jump right on it now and, and I shoot way up high. I kind of overdose a little bit just temporarily just to get out of that. And then I get off of it. Okay. Cause my testosterone generally is about 650. So I'm pretty yeah. good. It's not bad. Okay. It's about 500, which I like to see. I like to see everybody above 500. Yeah. And I've seen guys like I've, I've got this community. I see guys and they're sometimes post their, uh, um, blood labs. And there's even guys in their twenties that have like low, low threes, sometimes even the two hundreds. It's, you know, it's ridiculous that guys that age have got such low testosterone, but I mean, one of the things that you said early on in the book was, um, Based on skeletal records from excavation sites, we know that testosterone levels are about half today what they were. How long? Like a thousand years ago, five hundred years ago? Oh yeah, thousands of years ago. Yeah, I mean they've been steadily declining. So I think it it has to do with the grains and the introduction of the grains as opposed to the animal products. But who knows exactly? Well, we switched to agriculture about ten thousand years ago, right? So was it prior to ten thousand years that we had higher testosterone levels? Or exactly? Yeah, way back then the bone structure was super masculine. So more like chisel jawline sort of thing. Like, is that what we're talking about when we're talking about the skeletal? Okay. Yep. Yep. And, but the crazy thing about it is in the last 50 years, it's just tanked, you know? So it's kind of been on the steady decline, steady, steady, steady thousand. And then the last 50 years just plummets. And it's been like, 
I think the average male in the 1980s, there's a, a study called the Massachusetts Aging Study. The average male in the 80s was about 500, and then the 90s, they were about 400, and the 2000s, about 300. That's the average. So yeah. it's dropping basically, one, you know, like every it's like It's like when kids can't shoot hoops or dunk the ball, they just lower the net for them. And that's what the government keeps doing is they just keep yeah. lowering the upper levels, right? Because we don't seem to hit them. And that's exactly. And they've done that with vitamin D. They've even done, they're trying to do it right now with puberty. They're trying to lower the normal range for puberty because people are, girls in particular, are going into puberty so much younger because of these estrogen chemicals. Do you know what the youngest age a girl has given birth at? No idea. Probably nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine years. Like, can you believe that? insane yeah it's it nuts surprise me with these chemicals though yeah because that's what they're yeah. trying to lower the age of they're trying to lower the normal range of puberty to age nine so that's why i guessed age nine but it's absurd it's it's not really solving them it's like the breast cancer right like passing out pink ribbons is not going to solve breast cancer dressing up football players like newborn baby pink, girls yeah. is not going to solve breast cancer getting these estrogen chemicals out of your system is going to solve breast cancer but nobody wants to talk about that because they're impeding these giant corporations that make a ton of money on these chemicals you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really it's really incumbent on on you guys yourself to go and do the work and find the answers to these questions and look for bright people that are actually telling these truths and these stories. You even have a YouTube channel. Like I don't know if you do broadcasts on these elements or is it mostly on DNA oh. type of analysis? No, both. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so all that's on his website. So go visit it and check it out. Again, guys. Um, I don't want to keep you too long because I know that you have another consult coming up and I think you've given more than enough value to these guys tonight. I mean, you certainly helped me to the 10th degree. So um, his book is linked in my Amazon store below. I've mentioned the website. If you want to have your DNA analyzed, you'll have to buy a 23andMe, send it over to him and then they'll do a, a consult with you on that. It's just one-on-one -on -one for like an hour and a half and you dive deep into it. Yep. 100%. Okay. Um, and real, real quick. So, Let's just go through the the top ten here because I've got your website up still, um, and you got your top ten list of daily estrogens from estrogeneration estro that people want to avoid. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So if you can walk them through the top ten here, right? The plant estrogens, which includes soy and flax, those are the big ones. Mycoestrogen, mold estrogen. You find a lot of grains that have mold and things like that. Mold secretes an estrogen. Sometimes people have mold behind their walls, that sort of thing. It's really problematic. Atrazine is a herbicide that acts like estrogen. So people really, it's illegal in Europe, by the way, completely illegal because it's so problematic. And then in the United States, it's the second most used herbicide. So that would be used on like all plant matter, corn, most spinach, of the grains. Lettuce. No, just the grains. grains. Oh, grains. So like we, okay, so like bread, grain type products then. Okay. Yeah, you definitely want to get those organic in America. If you're over in Europe, it's fine. You can get whatever, but. Okay. Yeah, and then the triclosan and the alkalphenols, you kind of have to read the book, but you know, it's it's related to soaps. A lot of the cheap soaps and things have those. Uh, the sunscreen estrogens, number five, we've talked about those starting out today. Red number 40, like the red food dyes act oh, like yeah, estrogen. Yeah, so if you're yeah. drinking like those red sports drinks, you're exactly. basically cramming estrogen in your body. Exactly. And it's super funny because all these athletes sponsored you know by these companies and then parabens of course we talked about the fragrance estrogens the plastic estrogens would include it would be bpa and phthalates and then of course birth control is an estrogen it's designed as an estrogen mm. all right guys there you have it um let me just remove that real quick we'll go back here uh dr anthony j thank you for your time my brother thanks richard appreciate it it's great to it's, talk been, to you. it's been enlightening thanks